I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Glad to have you here with us. I hope that you have your lenses on, your ears open to all of the things, because we are talking about the 2007 gothic, supernatural, Spanish horror film, the Orphanage. Un, dos, tres, toca la pared. Un, dos, tres, toca la pared. Un, un, dos, tres, toca la pared. Un, dos, tres. Cue Hamilton references. <laughs> the Orphanage. <laughs> You're literally going to hear this so much during this episode. <laughs> I brought it up to Brian, and I was like, oh, man, is Nikisha going to get a no? How, how many times can we do this before Nikisha just clicks leave? It's like, this is enough. I am on vacation right now. Yeah. We are not talking about those orphanages. We are talking about these this, in this movie. This <laughs> orphanage. Yeah, no. Not, not going not to not happen. I mean, you know, once or twice is, is cool. It's cute. You know, it's fine. And I get it. It's a cultural moment, you know. Of course. Of course. <laughs> but we are talking about this orphanage here, and it is directed by Spanish director J.A. Bayona in his directorial feature film debut. And it stars a one Belen Rueda, Fernando Cayo, and Roger Princip. Now, heavy spoilers for The Orphanage if you have not uh, seen this movie. And, Jamie, there are a few trigger warnings. Can you please let us know what they are? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say, like, the theme of adoption. Um, I mean, this movie centers around an orphanage, so there is references to adoption. Um, There's references to uh, HIV status. Um, there is a very uh, creepy woman doing creepy things. Creepy things. Um, very unsettling. But also, uh, there is an image of somebody getting hit by a car and then, like, what it looks like after. Mm. Um, jump scare warning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, – I'll just say, I say it often enough, but I don't <laughs> like – when mouths are too big, and this certainly is a is a big old mouth. <laughs> what a specific thing, too. I don't like big mouths. I don't. We talked about it on Smile. I don't like it when mouths are opening too big. It's just like, I don't know what else to say about it, but it weirds me out. In the Ouija yeah. uh, prequel, weirds me out. I, I, can, I can conjure up Same so mod. many things. Uh, yes. Yeah. Two oh, big Same mouths, mod, yeah. shut it down. Keep your mouth small. <laughs> Um, Shut it all down. <laughs> um, <clears throat> there is a, like a, a, I mean, 
there's a, a spooky child. There's ghosts in this, but also like you, a child wearing a mask that you later see has like a deformity on his face, um, and uh, and just references to child death throughout. Yeah. Lots yes. of child death. Lots of child that death. If, if you do not want to hear about children dying in a variety of ways, um, this mm. this might not be for you. This movie is yeah. sad. It's it's very sad. But and I can't wait to talk about the ending too because I just want to mm-hmm. know your thoughts about it. I mean, it leaves you. It left me a little questionable about the whole whole thing. So I'm excited to get yeah, into it. But yeah, before oh, that, I also, mean, in a good sorry, way. I, I did forget there's also, like, reference to um, suicide. Yes. Yeah. Great. Well, before we dive headfirst into the abyss that is the orphanage, producer Brian, please give us some words. Sure. Um, So it is Hispanic Heritage Month um, from starting on September 15th, I believe. Um, So we are super excited to be doing a couple of uh, Spanish directors that we really, really enjoy. Um, I chose The Orphanage because I love J.A. Bayona so much. Um, He was born in Barcelona, Spain, um, and his movies just like really speak to me in different ways. Um, The Orphanage, spoiler alert, The Orphanage is one of my top 10 favorite horror movies of all time. I love this movie. I think and, and we'll get into that, obviously, on this one. Uh, next week, I believe we're doing Wreck. Um, Super excited. Uh, the amazing found footage love, Spanish movie. Love um, it. And then, Nikisha, have you, you haven't seen it, right? I haven't, but you know, it was one of those top mojo lists of something, something. Right, so right, right. I feel like I know what the ending is, but I'm super excited to watch it all the way through, regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then uh, we're gonna we're gonna then we're gonna f- uh, finally do Pan's Labyrinth, um, Guillermo del Toro, uh, who executive produced this movie. I was literally um, about to say that. We're watching, yep. yeah. Um, but going back to J. A. Bayona, um, his movies uh, are fantastic. If you haven't, also his new movie is coming out this year, and I'm very excited for that. So, um, as Nikisha mentioned, this was his feature film debut, uh, The Orphanage. Um, he also directed The Impossible. Um, which is about the um, tsunami in uh, Thailand. Stars Ewan McGregor, Naomi Watts, a young Tom Holland. Um, I really got it on my TikTok recently, like right after we finished the orphanage. You know how like TikTok will like spam you with like part part one of twelve of a movie. Um, (laughs) And I got the impossible, and I was like. I was like, that's weird algorithm. Like, yeah. how did you know that I just watched this other movie? But, like, yeah. I haven't actually seen it before. So I I did invest some time watching through the different sections. And, mm-hmm. like, from what I saw, it was it's really good. And, like, the chemistry between Naomi Watts and Tom Holland is, like, very impressive, especially for, like, him being such a young child actor at the time. Um, Love that. Yeah. And also a highlight from that movie is the actual tsunami sequence um i saw it in movie theaters very it's breathtaking sequence it it actually takes your breath away in terms of how scary it can be um then the fantastic movie a monster calls um you should definitely check Mm. that out um he did direct jurassic world fallen kingdom which is a bonkers nuts movie but (laughs) it's well directed um (laughs) is that part of the new yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah. Okay, okay. that's the in the new trilogy. That's the middle one. Mm. Uh, Is that the one that we saw in theaters and then like yeah. walked outside and it was like the Pride Parade was happening and I was like, yeah. what a fun, what a fun <laughs> way to end this movie. 
That was yeah. interesting. That was that one. <laughs> um, and then his ne- next one coming out this year is uh, Society of the Snow. It's about the, I believe, the Uruguayan Andes crash where they all had to kind of survive and based mm. on a true story. I'm really, really excited for that one. Mm. Um, so I really like him. He's a director I will be in a, my butt will be in a seat for so I'm super excited that we're doing this um, but as a reminder you can find us wherever you um, uh, are on social media at Talk Horror Pod you can find us there and then of course we're on YouTube hi YouTube hello um, yeah so I'm excited to kick off Hispanic Heritage Month with the orphanage Woo. fantastic well uh, speaking of all those fantastic movies have y'all watched anything new this week no, we're yeah, just uh, so. we're starting to we're, we're tonight we're gonna finally watch um, Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven. Same, um, <laughs> the New Blood, because we're mm-hmm. we're getting prepared for our our some of our um, October recordings at this point. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll so two things that we're gonna be doing in October, just as like for all of you listeners out there, we're gonna be doing the one I just mentioned. It's gonna come out on Friday the thirteenth in October. Uh, Matt Woods is our guest, who you've heard before in our Scream episodes. Um, and then we're also for for Halloween. Halloween, we're doing um, Halloween uh, season of the witch. Halloween three, which I don't think any of us have seen. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. So that'll be a real, real fun one to do. But um, uh, I don't think we've watched anything, right, Jamie? I don't think this. so. We uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, busy. I have to. I'm just too busy. Living living the lives, but no, also we're just mm-hmm. too busy, Nikisha. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, yes, when I have the opportunity to watch something new, I end up just watching Bob's Burgers for the 80,000th time. So I totally, <laughs> absolutely get it. And then That's I just pick the out the Halloween that. episodes because they're the best episodes oh, of Bob's they're Burgers. They're so good, yes. So, yes. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Bob's Burger Halloween episode? Absolutely. It is um, the hauntinging when Bob and Linda rent out a random house to do a haunted house for the kids to walk through because they Mm -hmm. want to scare Louise. And it's just the it is literally the best Halloween episode. A good (laughs) second is um, full bars when Jean is dressed up as Queen Latifah. (laughs) <laughs> it's a Excellent. great time. <laughs> but I do have to shout out my friend uh, Desmond Sean Ellington, part of the Ham Fam, because he has been messaging me all the horror movies he's been watching, and it's been oh, fun cool. to um, tell him, like, oh, we did an episode on that. So he uh, recently told me he just watched His House, which I know was, like, a favorite mm-hmm. for uh, all mm-hmm. of us, too. Um, and so I was like, well, go back and listen to our podcast, because we did an episode on that one. Did, did he like uh, His House? He really did. Yeah, he enjoyed it a lot. Awesome. Um, and then he watched something. Uh, Something's Wrong with the Children, which we oh, might yeah. have talked about, but I haven't Briefly. watched it yet. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit, because I actually really liked it. Yeah, I, want, I need to watch, uh, add that to the list. As well as Cobweb, but we'll get into that one too. Cobweb's nuts. Great. So I just wanted to shout him out because he's like, Woo! you know, catching Desmond, up with the podcast. And, say it again. Desmond? Yeah, Desmond. Mm-hmm. Hey, Desmond. Yeah. Hey, Desmond. Thanks for listening. Enjoying Thanks your for movies. Listening. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, let's get into The Orphanage. We need a plot summary. The Orphanage. Eliza, uh, so much. We've, we've, hit our, we've hit our number two. So yeah. are, we, are we done? <laughs> yeah, I'll stop. I'll stop. Move to the end. We'll all take a breath at the end. 
Oh, uh, that's genius. We all just have to gasp at the end. Absolutely. That's great. I guess Hamilton spoilers in this, too. <laughs> all right. Okay. Orphanage. All right. Producer Brian, are you ready to give us your best plot summary in two minutes about El Orfanato, a.k.a. The Orphanage? Yes. Watch the plot. <laughs> yes. Good. <laughs> yes. Woo-hoo. All right. Ready, steady, go. So the movie opens with uh, orphans at an orphanage in the past. They're playing a game like a like a, uh, a red light, green light type game, and it's just very eerie. And then um, we get the title sequence, which is actually the title sequence is actually pretty cool with like the pulling away of the wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that young orphan is now um, older. I believe she's 37, they say. Um, so she is now a mother. She moves back to the orphanage, which has closed down to open it back up again uh, for children with uh, with needs um she uh she and her husband adopted a kid her husband's a doctor they adopted a kid and um we find out that that uh, child has has hiv is on pills um but does not know he's adopted as they're setting up the orphanage to kind of reopen it um the mom and son go down to the water um he goes into a cave um and he has invisible friends um and she just thinks he meets another invisible friend in the cave Anyway, he invites the invisible friend back. During the party, the welcome party that they have to reopen the orphanage, um, he finds out basically before then that he's adopted. Um, and so, um, it does go way over two minutes. So he finds out that he's adopted, um, and it's a little bit spooky because, like, there's like a. There's a, uh, a scavenger hunt that the mom thinks that he set up, but um, but it's actually maybe the the little boy Tomas who he met in the cave. Anyway, so they're back in the house, um, and she slaps him for being saucy with him, uh, with her, excuse me, and then uh, before the party, and because he wanted to show her like Thomas's little uh, little house. Um, anyway, and then she and then he goes missing, and they can't figure out who it is. But before then, a woman, an old woman comes to the house posing as a social worker asking about like his status and stuff like that and so all of that is um that's super weird anyway yeah i'm way over two minutes i'm so sorry (laughs) this this one actually has a good amount of plot Um, yes so then she hears something at night um and and thinks that everybody thinks that she took that she took um uh, Simone, Simone, which is the Simon, which is the little kid. Um, so what happens is she, she finds her on the on the the grounds of the orphanage that night, uh, or the night before beforehand. I don't mm-hmm. I don't remember what at what point that happens. Um, maybe before the the. Um, the welcome party. Anyway, um, they cannot find Simon, and we don't. And 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 it's just no one knows what happened. Flash forward six months later. They still haven't found him. Both the mother and the um, husband are distraught. He's trying to move on as much as possible. She is not, for better or worse. We can talk about if that was, you know, you know, um, that in brains. Um, anyway, I'm so this is taking so long. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> but anyway, she um, she thinks that some. 
long story short, she's, she thinks something supernatural is happening in the house because she actually sees Tomas at one point. What we find out is that the woman, the old woman, was Tomas's mother, and Tomas was born with this facial deformity, and he put a mask on, um, on the kid. He lived in the orphanage because that old woman was one of the, like, aides at the nurses at the orphanage. But he lived in the basement. Um, what happened was the kids were playing a trick on Tomas and took his mask off while they were in that cave. Um, and he would not come out because he was too embarrassed and he drowned in that cave. Um, the mother was so distraught by this that she poisoned all the orphans that were responsible for this. This happened after Laura was adopted. So she didn't know that this happened. Um, she finds the bodies of the orphans on the, um, on the estate um, through one of uh, Tomas's like supernatural scavenger hunts, finds them in there. They call an exorcist kind of to come to the house or a medium. Um, and that's who that's who kind of figures all of this out. Anyway, in the end, she tells her to like, you hear them, but you're not listening. Um, and so she decides to get close to death by giving herself sleeping pills. Um, and she's able to see all of her friends again. And they lead her to Simone, who is actually in the basement. She accidentally put like these heavy pipes in front of the secret door that led down to Tomas's room and while he was down there trying to escape he falls off the balcony and basically dies so he's been dead in the basement for these six months um, and so she is wildly distraught and she ends up um, in order to kind of get closer to him um, there's a whole sequence at the end where he's alive in her arms because she's kind of like crossing over because she's kind of dying and she just completes the job and, and basically allows herself to die and she ends up becoming the nurse the head of the orphanage kind of in this like in between afterlife um and so uh I, I missed a couple things in there but oh and like they somehow see the old woman when they're in town um and she's killed um and her face is is big mouth um and that's <laughs> she got the smiled. orphanage she got smiled that's she the got smiled <laughs> that's the plot <laughs> okay yeah I mean uh, like, th there is a lot of plot in this, Brian. So, like, rightfully so. You kind of have to get through everything to see what it's uh, truly about. Because I will say, when I was watching this, I was not expecting so many twists and turns within, sure. the, within the plot. Um, and I'll talk about that in our next segment, Likes and Gripes. And now, our Likes. And gripes. Woo. So, um, <laughs> you should <laughs> go first because it's your first time seeing it. Yes. Yeah, you should. Okay. So, well, just to piggyback off of what, uh, I was saying before. Well, did you like this movie? Yes. I did. I, it was, it was just, it was so many twists and turns that I did enjoy. I will say, like, the ending, uh, like I had stated previously, left me a little like, ah, because, not because it was bad or good, but it was just because, like, this is a sweet moment that's happening, but everybody is dead. I don't know how to feel. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> part of the this. reason why I love this movie. The yeah. ending is so, pulls you in so many different directions. It's like. So many. Yeah. Um, which, which is, like, a, a good feeling. I don't think a horror movie has made me feel 
that type of way in a in a mm. long time as far mm-hmm. as like conflicting feelings of this is so peaceful and beautiful but aren't they all dead like this is so tragic mm-hmm. especially finding um Simone in in the basement and that whole entire shot of her holding him and like asking him to close his eyes and then she has her eyes closed and then she opens her eyes and you can see that she's um back kind of in the real world Mm -hmm. and then the falling of the blanket oh like goosebumps because he's not in her arms anymore and Mm -hmm. that that whole sequence was like this is wild but like i was saying before because i'm getting sidetrack of a sidetrack of a sidetrack Initially, when I started this movie, I just thought, oh, okay, orphans. Oh, she's moving back into the orphanage. That's a little creepy, but I get what you're trying to do. And I just thought that there was going to be kids haunting the the house. Like, it was going to be just a haunted house. And then she has to figure out. Straight up haunted house. Because the movie presents as that. Like, mm-hmm. it yeah. subverts your expectations throughout a lot. But, like, it presents as just, like, okay, like, her, her old orphan friends are going to be spooky. Exactly. Yeah. And then she has to figure out why, you know, why yeah, they're spooking, uh-huh. spooking the house. And, you know, <laughs> maybe they'll kind of uh, hurt her son, but not, mm-hmm. you know, him be completely missing. Yeah, like six Sense-y. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. Uh, so in in continuing to watch it, and that old woman coming in and how creepy it was to realize that this old woman that you let into your house is not who she says that she is. Like that is Mm -hmm. a great fear because someone just found out where you lived Mm -hmm. for whatever information they needed to get out of it. That was just so creepy. Um, So I kind of was happy that she got what she deserved in that car scene. And I thought the makeup for that was absolutely amazing. And I'm glad that, Agreed. They showed the actual face. Because at first, Ugh. you could kind of see it, but then they, like, cover it up. And I was <laughs> going to rewind to be like, oh, wait, I want to, like, see the face and, and see. But then it's like, let me just keep watching. And then it's like, nope. <laughs> They're going to give a whole two minutes of you just looking at that <laughs> that face, that yeah. dismembered face. And um, the makeup was just absolutely uh, excellent. And... I covered the oh scavenger hunts absolutely love so that whole sequence when they're initially uh doing the first uh scavenger hunt Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I was like oh because you know it's rules and then you know the rules are going to come back later Mm -hmm. you know so when she finally was like okay there's paranormal activity that's happening in my house I was like girl go back to the scavenger hunt follow the rules Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're leaving you clues yeah (laughs) Right, especially like, let's when let's do uh, this. Let's figure yeah, it out. That's, yeah, like let's get into it. Like you found mm-hmm. the doll that was in his bed or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like from there. It's like all right, come on, let's let's get this thing started. Yeah. Um, to piggyback off of what Brian said during the plot summary, I really enjoyed the opening sequence of the ripping of the wallpaper, but then having it uh, be recalled uh, when she's ripping the wallpaper to find the secret basement. Mm-hmm. Because you kind of forget that that happened in the first scene. Yeah, and sure. usually things of that nature will come back later on in the movie. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just like that it came back later when she's like trying to rip the, the wallpaper to get into the thing. And like I mentioned before, it's such a it was so sad to realize like how he actually dies because you want to kind of believe that it was all paranormal in a way but yeah. it re- but if you take all of that you can take all of that out 
And it just be like, it was just a terrible, unfortunate uh, situation that happened. Him accidentally getting locked in in the basement and then trying Mm -hmm. to escape. And that's all the noises that she's hearing. When you think that the noises are just like paranormal kids, you know, it's like, no, it was him Mm -hmm. trying to escape. And, you know, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, realistically, the kids aren't, the little kids aren't nefarious in any way. You know, like, they're just like ghosts in the house and, and something horrible happened to them. And then we can even talk about it. Like there's that whole section about doppelgangers that they bring up. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and which, you know, and, and I, I, it's not like, you know, Tomas wasn't trying to hurt him. It, or maybe he was, maybe you feel differently to me. He just wanted a new friend to play with. Like mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. found someone who, who like didn't mind, maybe to potentially didn't mind what he looked like and said, come here and like, come to the house. And like, you see the shells outside, like, I mean, it could be interpreted one of two ways, obviously, but um, I interpreted it as more of like you, Nikisha, where like it was all just unfortunate accidental circumstances yeah. that like nefarious things were like built in, like like mm-hmm. the woman um, coming to the house and all of that stuff. But I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, uh, which I think that it's, it's so um, layered in the best way because you don't know exactly what the cause of everything is until the very end. And then you think, and then you find out like, it's all just unfortunate. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a really interesting watch, um, trying to subvert my expectation of it just being a haunted house mm-hmm. <laughs> movie. That's and then point. I think that by the time the, the six or the six months had passed and they had brought in the medium to uh, come in. Then it really picked up for me as like, oh my gosh, this is what, what is going on? What is about to happen? Cause now you have like all this, I mean, and even um, the guy, the lecture guy that was talking about the, the doppelgangers was like, well, we can't just like hire an exorcist. And I'm like, is there an exorcism that's about to happen? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what is going on? Um, but yeah, I thought it was uh, a beautiful movie and just so, so layered and interesting. But the end was just like, ah, wow, for her to say, my son and these kids are more important and not even really thinking about like her husband in that moment because he wasn't really um, <clears throat> believing her or at least wanting to um, help her in her pro and however she needed to process yeah. what was mm-hmm. happening and her just saying like, Nope, this is, uh, I'm thinking about my son and I'm thinking about these kids. And so I'm taking my life so that I can just be here and, and be with them. I thought that was just very, uh, a very interesting, um, choice, yeah. but also she, it, it makes sense because she wants to run the orphanage like that's what her sole purpose was was to be caring for these kids and she was so concerned about like even when she lost Simone for the first time she was like these these people are not gonna let me take care of their kids because I just lost my own you know my own Mm -hmm. son um so yeah it was it was good the the husband in this very much gave me like Patrick Wilson and Insidious vibes yeah he's like I don't really want to engage in any of this like spooky shit and like also kind of like not that he was avoiding dealing with it because like Patrick Wilson's character in Insidious like really avoids dealing with it until he absolutely has to face it but like right. there was kind of that like rejection of this otherworldly stuff that like I just you know I don't want to be here anymore like I need to 
get away from all of this. Like, you do you. Yeah. yeah. Like, that whole sequence, like, literally felt like it came from the Insidious book. Well, I think this was before Insidious. Yeah. Um, but, like, that whole that whole portion of the movie, like Jamie just mentioned, um, where it's like he lets them go. He, he kind of lets them into the house and lets them do the medium stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he, mm-hmm. like, he, like, halfway meets her in terms of, like, letting her believe this and then just, like, pulls out the rug and be like, I can't yeah. do this. End. Like, what, what are we yeah. doing here? You yeah. know, like that. Yeah, like literally, those scenes could. I bet you could watch those scenes side by side, and they'd be very similar. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's it for for my likes and gripes. I mean, I will say that this is not my particular favorite brand of subgenre of horror. Mm. Um, but this is a great movie for the, for the subgenre. You yeah, know, sure. like it's well made. Um, the the acting was wonderful, and I really enjoyed um, a lot of the sequencing that was happening, especially, like I said, with just the scavenger hunt and with the um, blanket falling out of her arms. Uh, and, yeah, I thought it was a beautifully shot um, movie. And I think I said it described, uh, Wikipedia described it as a gothic supernatural. And I'm like, yeah, that's definitely the vibe of the cinematography. Um, not just with like the architecture of the orphanage, but just how some of the things were shot were very much just like gothic and it, vibes. It, and even though he didn't direct it, it has a lot of Guillermo del Toro like vibes mm-hmm. to it. Absolutely. <laughs> like, the like, gothic vibes the for gothic, sure. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, Yes. That's my license gripes, Jamie Bryan. Which one? Which one of you would like to go next? Go for it, Jamie. Sure. Um, I don't remember when I saw this movie. Uh, I don't think I saw it in theaters. Um, but I'm. I can't. I. I truly like can't even remember. I also don't remember it being sad. I just remember like I had this similar like sixth sense kind of nostalgia view where mm, I, I mm. remember it being scary. And then upon rewatch now, I'm like, oh, this is deeply sad. And like, I just kept remarking that throughout the movie. Brian can attest to that. Um, yeah. Because we- like, I was talking it through because it, it definitely has been a while since I have seen this movie. And I could only remember bits and pieces, but I was mm. like re-remembering it like moments before it happened. And like, ta- like I was like, oh, wait. She, she did this. She did this. She's, yeah. she is. And I was like, oh God, now I have to sit through this whole movie and like remember, remember everything else. Um, but I, I really enjoy this movie um, because, because when you don't know you're watching it and you're like, this is a spooky house. There are these like spooky ghosts. And there's this one mm-hmm. ghost in particular who's like doing something weird and the Beninga stuff kind of feels like a weird red herring or like you're not totally sure what's going on there. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. it does feel way more centered towards like Haunted House. Um, upon rewatch, this movie is devastating. <laughs> this movie is like very difficult to get through because you know, oh my God, I'm like getting emotional. I, I found it like really sad upon rewatch. You know so early on that yeah. a, a, a very quick action like is what led, I mean, and it's all just a, it's just circumstance and it's an accident, but like, it's just so deeply upsetting and like just the timing of it too, where, like you said, like 
she really wanted to, she's always been drawn back to this place. She really wanted to reopen it under this like new circumstance and then like kind of shadowed by the, by the loss of her child. Not like Mm -hmm. that she doesn't know yet that he is dead, but just like that he is missing. um, Right. Has like overshadowed this, this thing that she's trying. But it also makes me think like, there's always been something like sinister about this place because mm-hmm. of what happened with Beninga. And like, that's what she's discovering later too. Um, something that is also deeply upsetting about this movie is the scene when the um, medium comes and does the seance and you hear, you can't see the children. And I think that's actually really powerful. You can mm-hmm. hear the children and you just see the horror in her face. Because also it's like, how many times are we going to see like dead children or dying children sure, in right. this movie? Like there's probably also a limit to how much they can show. Also, can I get a, can I get a rating check on this movie? Oh um, yeah, sure. Because again, like I think that there's R. probably, yeah. Oh yeah. My guess is like, there's probably a limit to how much like explicit visuals of child death we can see without this moving into like an NC 17 rating. Um, so like, you know, they're going to, they have to pick and choose, but I almost felt like because we didn't actually get the visuals of the kids, it was even more powerful Yeah, because we're like getting everything adjacent to it. And like, And that also, I think, is a really moving moment of the film because, you know, in other similar types of movies, maybe, you get people who, like, want to take advantage of those in need or, like, those in distress. And I feel like in the beginning, before that scene, the medium, when they meet with her, has kind of that vibe. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, is she, like, legit or is she just taking Mm -hmm. advantage but then watching her like emote that whole experience of being in the home. Um, oh, that was very loud. Um, <laughs> watching her emote being in the home is is like deeply moving. And then like you can see her just care so deeply and like have great empathy for the children. Like for that whole experience, it's just like it was it's really a lot. And I feel like if we also saw dying children like being poisoned be that's just much. like that's just too much like yeah. i'm sad enough i don't need that right that's too much um, i have a question uh, yeah then on that do you guys think that the medium did see simon and just didn't want to say anything or do you think that that's a she... great question no no i don't okay. think so yeah okay. sorry go for it no i mean yeah i don't think she saw Simon I can't really say why he wasn't visible to her especially when like that's what she was looking for um she saw like something totally different um but I also this also makes me think of like another trope of like why ghosts remain in horror movies and like the circumstances of their deaths comes up a lot where it's like you get a lot of like this may be a silly example, but like The Grudge, for example. Oh, I just mm, lost my earbud. Mm-hmm. Um, the Grudge, for example, uh, where it's like the the rage that happens, you know, spoilers for The Grudge, but like the rage that uh, 
is is there at the time that like a murder is taking place it it influences the 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 ghosts the spirit that's left behind yeah. um so it's like you know this trope of like particularly egregious or violent murders are then causing these ghosts to to stay behind. I wonder if that's why the medium was like more easily able to tap into these young children as oh, that's opposed fair. to Simon. Because mm-hmm. even yeah. though even though his death is like tragic and deeply upsetting, like it was an accident. It wasn't a murder. Right. Um, right. On the flip side, like there's also stories about ghosts who have unfinished business. And, and like, in some ways, like, you know, Simon's just a child. So, like, he had he would have had his whole life ahead of him. So it's, like, why still does he not show up? I don't know. But those are just some of the thoughts that I had of, like, when we're encountering ghosts and, like, why I'm able to kind of write off, like, yeah, I don't know why Simone's not here, but, like, all these other kids are here. Like, yeah, but sure. I didn't even think about that. I yeah. was just, like, yeah. It it didn't even come up in in my in my thought process in that moment. Well, she mentions in the movie that like it's a scar on time and a knot, and it's the knot that like ties two things together. Like Jamie said, that vulnerability, the murder, the whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that the because that was the strongest um, energy in the house. That's ah, just yeah. she was drawn to that time period, mm. that thing, and Simone was just is is so far even though it's the priority of the movie it's so far below the priority like spiritually and energy wise of that moment with Benigna and and the kids yeah that actually makes sense also do you Jamie just saying like uh, Simone you know has his whole life ahead of him but it was so sad the scene where he I think they were talking about death and him yeah. saying like mm-hmm. yeah I don't think I'm gonna live a long life it's like mm-hmm. what I, oh yeah that's true because he's also sick and like he yes. probably wasn't gonna live a long life and like that's also deeply fucking sad. This movie's so sad. That's so sad. Yeah. Ugh, and then that my little God. Peter Pan motif like strung oh throughout my God. Like, the lost children, the lost boys. I, for- I forgot about that. And when they when they started bringing that up and then they were calling her Wendy, I was like on the verge of tears. That was so, mm-hmm. so deeply upsetting. But such a good like allegory to bring into this story as yeah. well. And I felt like it really tied it together because like she does like she comes back in her own way and like does take like take care of the lost boys but like takes she's coming back to take care of all of these young orphans that she was friends with like these were her fr- her childhood mm-hmm. friends oh my god it's just it's and so all sad. them recognizing her at the end too. Yeah. Just oh my god. Yeah. When they like he touches touch her, her face, face, and it's like, oh my god, it's when, Laura. But also right. that moment where Tomas takes the hand of the blind girl and brings her over, oh. like just to show that like he's not he's not just he's not malicious. Yeah. He just he's just another kid who just like. Yeah. Like kids were being kids. Yeah. The way that he died, I'm I'm not excusing the kids' actions, but like no. kids mm-hmm. were just being kids, just like the mom was just like trying to tidy up the closet. Like it was a yeah. it, they didn't mean for those things to happen. It's mm-hmm. just so sad. And yeah. and the best sequence in this movie, and Jamie and I were just like talking about it while we were watching with our jaws like on the floor again because I had forgotten, but she didn't. This whole sequence where she trying to bring the kids out and it's the one shot of Ugh. her playing the game and every time the camera pans to like see if anybody's behind her, like 
it's nothing. Then it's the door opening. Oh then it's God. one kid. Then it's this all the kids. It's by amazing. By far the best scene in the movie. Um, this is my favorite part of the movie. Uh, yeah, it's just like the the back and forth. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens the first two times. The third time you clock the door open. The fourth time you actually see the first child ghost, and you're just right. like, "Oh fuck! Something's happening! They're here!" <laughs> And truly, like, and I, I forgot I put this in my notes, too. The fact that if uh, you're thinking that all that she needs to do, like I said at the beginning, is, like, play the game, the scavenger hunt game, and mm-hmm. then she'll be able to find him. And then she's like, I played your game, and yeah. I still didn't find him. So I thought it was so cool that she had to go all the way back and start playing that red light, green light game mm-hmm. in order for her to actually find exactly where yeah. he was. So it wasn't, yeah. like... You know, as easy as she thought. Well, not as easy. It was all not easy. But it wasn't mm-hmm. just, like, this one thing she needed to do, and then she would find the answer. But still, yeah. that whole moment of, like, her chasing the girl into the, like, the, into into the, the closet. closet. And then it starts opening and closing. And it takes her a second to realize that, that that's what the doorknob looks like. Yeah. And then, like, uh, that whole that, that whole sequence. Honestly, that sequence to the end of the movie is, like, A-plus yeah. stuff. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so good. Um, but... Yeah, and it's like, because it's not just about, there's another line that the medium says about actually having to, like, believe to see. You don't see to believe it, you believe it to see it. And so Mm -hmm. it's not just her playing the game, but she has to, like, buy into it in order to to see Mm -hmm. them. So, like, she's, she's, like, playing the game as a child, once again, to, like, play with her childhood friend. Oh, my God. It's just, like, it's so good. Um, yeah. And then I also like how the camera shifts slightly so that, like, when all of the kids are getting closer to her, at the at the last one shifts so you actually – because you see the, the, the little boy who was mm-hmm. in the front, but then you don't see him anymore. And I was like, oh, I remember. He's going to pop up and do a little jump scary tap on the what back hand? of hand. Hello. <laughs> um, so I do like that they that they shift the camera so that you he's out of view. You can mm-hmm. still yeah. see the other kids. And then he's just like, a hand Ooh. tap. Um, <laughs> and then they all scatter and stuff. But, like, man, yeah, that's so good. The The following sequences are are so, so good. Um and I like, I mean, I I did look away. Like I couldn't, one, I couldn't look at Beninga's big, awful mouth. And uh, I also, I could not look at Simone. Like I, because I just, I already knew. And I was like, I just don't, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to see it. It's just so sad. Um, and so, yeah, I think, uh, I think it definitely warrants the R rating for just seeing him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we didn't, I, I feel like this movie would have been, well, there's still just a lot of reference to child death. But, well, and then uh, the whole sequence of her going through the ashes and finding uh, the bones of all mm-hmm. of the kids. Dem bones, dem bones. Dem yeah, bones. it was dem bones. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sad. Is that all you have for likes and gripes, Jamie, before we move on to um, Brian? Do you have anything else you want to add? I think that's it. I don't really, there's, I guess my only gripe is like, there are some moments a little bit earlier that feel a little bit slow. Cause there really is a lot, like you said, packed into the plot. Um, but I, I think that like, there's this point where she, where we move away from Meninga as much and, and pivot to like, 
the ghost, like ghost yeah. kids, um, that I feel like then like from there on, it just kind of like moves along more steadily and like, I'm like fully locked in and engaged and like with it, but like it kind of takes a little bit to, to get there. When we like go back to the cave and like all that stuff, I'm kind of like, eh. Yeah. But after that, yeah. Yeah. Like you said, Jamie, that's, yeah. Got my, got my tissues and here we go. Yes. (laughs) All right, Brian, would you like to add to all this? I know you had mentioned and did a TikTok, y'all go on our TikTok, of uh, how much you enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I love this movie. This is literally a top 10 horror movie for me. This fits right into my wheelhouse subgenre of like Mm. emotionally manipulative and emotionally like powerful ghost stories like this the sixth sense like that kind of stuff like these thriller types that kind of say something in the end or or make you feel something more than just being scared like is very much what i love um but i'm gonna start with my gripes for this movie um uh, a, a gripe of this movie is that i just find it very hard to believe that they purchased this orphanage and like didn't know what happened to those kids like like mm. th- the movie doesn't go into enough of that like maybe benigna like forged all the paperwork that they did get um they she became a social worker and forged the paperwork that she they d- all did get adopted like hiding their deaths what about the head nurse like all of a sudden mm. these kids are dead did they try to cover it up is there a big cover up that they didn't know about it just it it just for someone who's so obs- with someone who defines themselves so much by the fact that they were uh, adopted and an orphan and like and 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 associated themselves up so much with the fact that they wanted to buy this orphanage it just seems wild to me that not that she didn't go back or to do any research because like that would take years and like just figuring out who you are but she was pretty old when she was adopted so like I just find it hard to believe that that somewhere in buying this property and the history of it and like doing her own research on the orphanage and what happened to everybody and maybe even trying to track down her friends. Right. I find it very hard to believe or I don't like that the movie doesn't go into why there's a huge gap of information um, for all those kids deaths to be the twist in this movie, if that makes sense. Um, well, yeah, because to your point, like, th- why wouldn't she want to check on her friends mm-hmm. from the from the yeah. uh, from the orphanage? Yeah, yeah, she was seven. You, th- I mean, again, her, the people that adopted her could have like taken her far away, or like even mm-hmm. if she wrote letters or something. I don't know. There's there's the the gap of time, those thirty year gap of time. It needed a little bit more detail for me to like mm-hmm. get in the, to to really buy a lot of the other stuff. Um, I think that uh, I get why they did it, but the a mask party seems very extreme for like a welcome event. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was weird. Like I get it's it very because creepy like masks. You have all the masks there, and Tomas like. Tomas can just like mix in with all of them because like you see his face like in in the mask. You know, when she's looking for her son afterwards, she's like, you know, pulling the the masks off of people like Mm -hmm. I and and maybe it makes some of those kids feel more comfortable that they don't have to like show their faces and like they can just be whoever they want, like in a welcoming event. I don't know. It just seemed very extreme for a welcome event. Um, And then. 
it was just a little too convenient for me that they saw the old woman like at that stop sign. Um, the only thing I could think of is that she was spying on them and they caught her like this whole time she's been doing like just a little bit more spying and stuff like that. Mm. And so she's always been in their orbit, but it still just seemed very convenient that like the one day they drive into town, you know what I mean? Like they see they her see at her. the crosswalk and she gets by a car. I, I don't know. That feels a little convenient. And then the other thing is uh, when she sees the old woman in the, 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 uh, in the little cottage on the property, she could have chased her down. That old woman was like, <laughs> like, just like shuffling. The way she runs was very strange. Yeah, you know? like, it was, come on. yes, awkward. <laughs> um, so those are those are my kind of biggest gripes, and I think those are big, like some plot gripes uh, here and there. Um, mm-hmm. But but I like too much about this movie. Um, I like that this movie sets up how good of a parent she is, and it, and it doesn't necessarily like it doesn't overly do it. It kind of shows it by having her be a good parent. Um, also have her have her have good intentions with the orphanage, but also showing that she's kind of fully parenting because her husband says like, Oh, is it my turn? And then goes back to sleep. Um, but also I like that they show him, he's the doctor. They say that a couple times. Um, and he's more science based where she's more faith based. Um, but it mm-hmm. seems like they have a good loving relationship, um, you know, like just in general, even though like she's doing a little bit more of the uh, maybe a lot more of the caretaking. But I like that setup. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the eerie shots of the movie in general, like the tilt a whirl outside kind of like spinning mm-hmm. or whatever that is. Um, it also spins in opposite directions during other parts of the movie. Um, I-, I love the score of this movie. It's this very like big, verbose, like gothic, like over the top score that I think like underscores the movie really nicely. Um, I, this is a, such a stupid thing, but when it's raining and they're out in the rain during the treasure hunt, I'm like, I, I like that they stay wet. The two of them, I feel like so many mm. movies, like how are they immediately dry? Yeah, um, <laughs> that's fair. Um, I like the sense of fun with the scavenger hunts this movie has before it absolutely destroys you. Um, mm. I like the sound effects of, of Tomas wheezing under the mask. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that she sees him. I, I like that she sees him at the beginning. Um, Man, her fall in the tub looked like it really hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that the husband believes her to an extent in certain points. Because I do think that the husband at one point actually thinks that the house is haunted. But he says, like, he says, this is not helping us. They're using us because they wanted to come into this house and see the ghosts. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that he thinks that he thinks that something spooky is happening in the house but he mm-hmm. doesn't see the connection between the per, the house being haunted and the sun where she sees the house being haunted as a way to find the sun and i think that that's a really maybe you don't read it that way but i think that's that was interesting to me whether or not that's how they they portrayed it um well that would make sense because he's like let's just get out of the house yeah yeah so it's not like, like he's we, completely he's like let's just okay well if all this is happening in the house like I packed her stuff. Let's go. <laughs> but like, but that whole sequence where she's at the um, the um, the group therapy um, or the 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 um, the, like the, the grief the grief mm-hmm. um, group um, yeah. uh, uh, for like probably like losing a child. Um, mm-hmm. I really like that 
she gets to finally say what she wants to say in front of the group, like with about the uh, invisible, ch- uh, the imaginary friends, and then every and then and then her seeing her son, like when she saw him, like in the uh, in the cave as she's chasing after, like to fi- figure it out when she loses him, and I like that everyone else is like, yeah, I saw my kid afterwards, like mm-hmm. because like it's just us coping and like we just see them, we want them, and I like yeah. that that kind of undercut. What she what she's experiencing, but it, it felt like it didn't undercut it in a disrespectful gaslighting way. Um, I like that the movie immobilizes her right after. So when she's running, I think that's a gripe. They could have shown that she broke her leg a little bit more intensely um, in the in the water. It's gonna be pretty um, pretty intense and yeah. gross. But um, but she like got back up and started like taking a few more steps. It's like, girl, if it was broken, you wouldn't be able to move. Yeah. But I'm sure. I mean, like, also think about like the power of adrenaline and being a mom yeah. and like trying you're to right, save right. your kid. Like, <laughs> yeah. there there are powers beyond our understanding that like sometimes <laughs> in those moments, like people are doing impossible things. Yeah, the yeah. impossible by J. A. Bayona. Um, <laughs> but um. But yeah, I, I could have used a little bit more of a sound effect there or something to really show how much she hurt herself. Um, yeah. Crack. Crack. Um, um, because, because maybe if she ha- wasn't in the wheelchair afterwards, hmm. she could have searched the house a little bit more. Maybe she could have, not that she would have found him, but like, but also the fact that she couldn't get down the stairs when she heard the banging. That's almost like, that also is another level of like, oh my God. Um, Also, there were a couple of gripes in this movie that I like, that I, that I filled in the blanks for myself. Like, how did they not hear him screaming and like banging the whole day? But it's because he was playing with Tomas the whole time. And the first time that he realized that, oh, I should go upstairs, that's when that happened in that moment. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that he was, like, banging all day to get out of the room. I think he was having a good time with this kid. Um, And then also the other thing is, like, how do they not smell that body? Um, I just think it was so far down and so behind stuff that, like, it may have been a little stinky, but also that house may have been stinky in general. I don't know. There are ways to explain around some of that stuff, I think. For sure. I really liked the... I like the hint of, like, sinister found footage and, uh, you know, in this, too, with the, the, um, you know, all the kids. The medium scene was great. The echoes, the scares in those sequences were wonderful. Um, I think I wrote here, she's being driven mad, but it's believable from both sides. I I could 100% see why she's being driven mad by all of this, but I can also see how her husband is seeing this. Where, like, I'm not saying he's a good dude. I don't know. We can talk about that. But, like, it's grief. This is the ultimate form of grief in some ways, especially mm-hmm. when you don't have a body to be able mm-hmm. to put a period on it. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, she still has this hope, and he's, like... He's like, we have to move on. Like, like we need to be functioning human beings. Like, we will never know what happened. And and you know, with all and then mixing in all the um, mixing in all of the seance stuff, kind of also elevates that kind of pull between the two of them. Um, and uh, yeah, I, and I like the concept of like getting closer to death to communicate with them. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I and I and speaking to the end, I love how sad 
this movie makes me feel. I love how spooky this movie is. I like that this movie doesn't rely on jump scares. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, it, and I think that's a lot of the gothic aspect of it. Um, and I think that the ending, even though I have gripes about how we get to the end at some points, it to me that the end is so powerful. It just shows that like the movie still gets the job done in the end. And yeah. this is definitely a movie I wish I could see for the first time again for all those twists and turns and stuff like that. Um, but as Jamie said, the first thing she said was like, this movie is way sadder on rewatch. Um, but um, yeah, and I I like the idea of like, I don't know if the movie needed to end on the husband, like finding the chain and stuff like that. But on the flip side, listen, we, Jamie and I were talking, the husband probably goes back to the house at some point, finds her dead body cradling Ugh. the son's dead body. Um, you know what I mean? But he also knew that like this house is haunted. Like to me, because he knows that something spooky is going on with this house, him being able to find that the, the necklace perfectly placed under a leaf, um, mm-hmm. when he finds that necklace, um, it's his way of like getting the closure that she couldn't get. And, yeah. and so that like, I'm not saying that like he deserves to move on and like, you know, but like, you know, I, I think that's an interesting way to end the movie in general. Um, um, I've also been watching a lot of movies with like spooky seaside towns with lighthouses. So like, I'm very into that. Um, <laughs> nice. but, uh, yeah, that, um, that's, uh, that, that's why I love this movie so much. Yeah, it's it's such a sad movie. And I can't imagine like the both of you talking about a rewatch and knowing all of this stuff cuz it happens so early on mm-hmm. when she knocks over those things in the closet and puts them back up and the majority of the movie you're just like trying to figure it out with her. I I can't imagine on a rewatch just knowing like this is where it's going. This oh, but also depressing. to quote Jamie while watching this movie, she has the same glasses. Um, when, oh when, my god yeah when they so they show the picture of Beningo when she's like younger oh, at the home mm-hmm. and then you see her like older and like it's the same exact for as somebody who owns <laughs> way too many pairs of glasses that was the least believable thing in this movie that is hilarious they had to let you know it was the same person yeah, yeah. What, her same eyesight's glasses. not gonna change hey it helped more than that helps more than uh, whatever they did for Nikisha and I in the, the house, in the of, house the of the devil. Yeah, that's fair. You knew who it was in the picture. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Could did not know who the, those people were in that picture in the house of the devil. Um, OK, great. Well, let's move on to our next segment, which is mm, brains. <sighs> So we kind of hit on some of this stuff, but I would just love Jamie's um, take on some of these things. But I want to ask, how healthy do you think it is for kids to have imaginary friends? And what do you think are the circumstances to which they create these imaginary friends? And then part C of this long question, how can parents be supportive to kids that have imaginary friends. Yeah. I, so I'm not a child development expert. <laughs> um, yep. I'm always going to give a caveat. I don't, I don't need yes. anybody coming into our stuff being like, well, right. you said this, so I'm going to take it and run with it. Right. Um, but 
I think that it's like pretty developmentally appropriate. I think that, that there's a lot in both like having a healthy imagination as a child um, mm. and like exploring that. I also think it helps children with like socialization because um, it's usually happening around a time where like children are socializing with one another. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that period is like pretty long, um, but like more complex play perhaps and, and you know, connecting with others. Um, I think also there's a lot of like self-development that comes in that because you're probably learning a lot about what a, like a, a parent or like an observer yeah. is probably learning more about like what that child likes and doesn't like through their imaginary friend and like through that type of play. Um, so I think that like, I think it's very healthy. I don't think like, I don't think that there's any indicator of like, oh, they did this because like they can't socialize. I think it's like probably the opposite, um, that like they, they can socialize and like, this is how they're exploring it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that it's like, because they're less or like there, there's more like issues with social connection or Mm -hmm. that they are like worse off by any means. Like, I think it's just like, there's a lot of exploring for children to do. Um, and like, this is a means for them in a way that's like, makes sense to them to like work through different stuff, um, explore different ideas, explore fears, likes, dislikes, all of that stuff. Um, so I think that in terms of like how parents can support their children, like I think as long as it's not interfering with, you know, important things or like functioning or like, you know, regular stuff, if it doesn't, if it's not like disrupting your like everyday lives, I think yeah. that, you know, it's, it's okay to encourage, um, if it is potentially like that might, you know, warrant a conversation with, mm-hmm. with some professional, um, or just like kind of setting boundaries around, uh, like certain actions or behaviors. Um, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Do you I mean, guys that... have imaginary friends when you were young? <laughs> Not that I know of. I don't think I did. No, I saw, I think it was an episode of full house or something where some, well, I think Michelle had an imaginary friend. So I was like, oh, I want to try to have an imaginary friend. I do not, I don't have I the imagination try. for that. Wait, that's so funny. You're like, I want to try. Oh, Truly. And I was like, this isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go play that's with my so actual friends that I, that I see. <laughs> I but I think that, that the, the great point that you made, Jamie, is, is recognizing that there's nothing wrong that's happening and that, you know, unless the, it, there's disruptions that are happening or um, bad behaviors, then parents should look at it as like just their child being creative in a different mm-hmm. way, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to thinking like, oh, there might be something wrong. You know, let's find out if there's an issue. Like, no, it's just kids being kids and playing. So mm-hmm. grand. So adoption is uh, talked about a lot because this is uh, an orphanage. And I would like to ask, how do you think parents 
can help a child process uh, knowing that they have been adopted at whatever age that that might be. And do you think that their sit down that they had with Simon when he found out himself was helpful or harmful? Yeah, I think, um, man, I think these conversations are really, really difficult, like at Mm. at any age. Um, Yeah, I think that uh, like it's hard. I think it also depends on what the context of like the circumstances are. Is it an open or a closed adoption? Open being that um, that the the bio parents like still are are open to communicating um, with that child and like the family and things like that. Closed being like that connection is closed off and right. um, you know the the child is not able to outreach the bio parents and vice versa. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think like it's really, really difficult to have those conversations. Um, cause I, and I think we've talked about kind of not the same thing, but just the, the challenge of parents talking about certain topics with their children that yeah. are more difficult to explain, um, because, because like, a child is younger and can't understand like more abstract concepts yet and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. so uh, I think that it's, I think it's important in terms of like building strong trust bonds with adoptive parents or foster parents. Um, like, but I, I do think that you have to be like really, thoughtful and mindful. And like, even if you, I think when I, when I say that it's more of like, you can probably still say like all the best things you could probably still do it. Like even with a therapist involved, if you have a family therapist or an individual therapist, but Mm -hmm. there's still a chance that like, you know, a a child or a young person is like going to have a strong reaction because like, that's a, that's a really challenging like thing to grapple with. I think it, it very much influences like how how a person might see themselves and like the connections that they have. Like, you know, I don't know how often we've talked about like attachment styles or attachment theory, but yep. like so mm-hmm. much of that is rooted in early childhood connections with our parents. And so, yeah. and this is just like I'm I'm going on a limb here with this, but like, you know, one thought is if you feel like there's this loss of trust in the people that like you're supposed to be able to trust and rely on. How does that then like play out in your relationship with them, in your relationship with others? Like this piece of information is so big and like has the potential to have like a great ripple effect, not just on relationships, but like on other elements of their lives. So like, I, I just think that like, it's, it's such a precarious topic to have a conversation around Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that like, I definitely think that there should be therapy always, but like, especially in those conversations, like a space for the child or young person to like explore and process what that information means to them. Um, right. and they might have a lot of questions and they might not have a lot of answers to things of like the why and like, can I can I connect with that? Can I connect with the bio parent? Like, can I reach out and like learn more about them? Cause that information is really important to people. 
Um, mm-hmm. People want to know like where they come from. People want to know what, what their ties are, um, those connections. So I think like all of those are super valid questions. Um, and I think like, I think it's important to be as transparent as you can in a way that is like age appropriate in the same way that I think I mentioned that about like grief and loss for like death for young people, for children. Um, Mm -hmm. I think like be as, as like straightforward as you can be, but like obviously tailored in a way that is understandable for a young person. Um, but again, I am speaking as like, I, I have not been adopted. So like, I cannot speak on that personal experience, but like, that's, that's what I imagine is like helpful. I mean, I did used to work in like foster care, um, Mm -hmm. but I worked in foster care with like older youths, like youths that were 16 and up. Um, cause in New York you can sign yourself to remain in foster care through the age of 21. So like, oh wow, and, and, uh, there was a lot of like benefits for, 18 to 21 year olds who were, who remained in foster care, like, mm-hmm. uh, priority access to housing and like things like that. So, um, a lot of, I, I didn't, I didn't ever have a circumstance where like any of my foster youths were adopted. They were all living independently. Um, gotcha. so yeah. Yeah. Well, transparency is key, you know, just being open with, uh, as, as open as you can, like you said, Jamie, without it being, you know, w- within the age realm of what is appropriate to say to, to a child about that. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And just like anticipate the unanticipatable, uh, mm. because mm-hmm. again, like any reaction is like pretty valid, but like, right. yeah, it's like, you can say the, the, the best response ever, but that still doesn't necessarily like, however a young person feels hearing this information is like, going to be valid. Right. Exactly. Great. Well, my last question is, and um, Brian kind of mentioned this, it's the finding closure when you don't have, as Brian stated, a period at the end, not um, knowing the outcome. So I just wanted to ask, how do you think a person could find their own closure when losing someone if it, the situation is that, you know, they're missing or they can't be found or they don't know exactly what happened to them. Yeah. That's also a great, que- great questions. Great questions. Yay! These are really good. We did um, it. This is the last episode. We did it. We, we never <laughs> topped this. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean like, man, as, as humans, like we like things to be tied neatly with a bow. We do not Absolutely. like things to remain open ended. We like, things to be resolved. Um, this is like, I, I can imagine just like incredibly difficult to just not have the answers to just not know. Um, and I think that that takes a, a major toll on people. Um, I mean, like we talked recently about true crime stuff, mm-hmm. but I think like, that's kind of what it makes me think of where like there are some, uh, like, unsolved cases that have been unsolved for such long periods of times. And then like, even eventually like years or decades later, they, they find out information. And like, I think that there is that element of relief that people get even decades later. Um, and so like, I, I think that just shows how, how much of an impact it has when you just don't know. Um, that being said, like, you know, 
it's still a loss that you're grieving. And so like you're thinking about it in a similar way of, of grief. I know for some, they might not want to, that feels like an acceptance uh, that they might not want to like accept because it's like defining something that is not yet defined. It's like, if I start to grieve, you know, my missing child, then that means that they're, that they're dead and I'll, I'll never reconnect like with them over. again. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And like, mm-hmm. you know, understandably people don't want that to be the resolution. Um, right. So it's like not being ready to get to that point. But I think also that stirs up like a whole bunch of other challenges of like, you know, things feeling unresolved, um, feeling stuck in a lot of ways. Um, mm. But I think like, you know, because it's also more gray, like it's not black and white that you can, you can potentially treat some of that like grief experience in, in a more gray area. It's like, I might not yet know what happened. Um, right. But like, they're not in my life in this moment. And like our, our paths have, have split apart and like, you know, how can I honor this person? Um, even if I don't yet know what happened to them. Like I think about like, you can still do some of those things, even if you, even if you don't have the resolution that like you're looking for. Um, and that, that, that I think can still be really powerful. Um, but again, it's like, even looking at this movie, uh, Laura was so dead set on like, I need to know I'm going to solve this. Like that's all that mattered. And Mm -hmm. her, her husband bailed. And, you know, is that because like part of it was like, this house is spooky. I got to get the fuck out of here. But like how much is also like you're leaving your partner that like you are both taking care of this child. And Mm -hmm. like, are you, are you done? Like, are you like, I'm, you know, I'm operating under the assumption that he's like just gone. And like, that's what it is. Um, right. And, and like, I don't need to dig deeper. Um, whereas like, like she just wants to move on. Yeah. yeah. And like, she couldn't move on without that information. Right. Yeah. I mean, sorry, go ahead, Brian. No, do we think he's a, a bad husband? Like, does he belong in the hall of fame of bad horror husbands or, do we think he maybe he'll be on the ballot, but he's never voted in? <laughs> mm, I love that. Um, yeah, uh, this is this one's really hard because I think about like similar situations where I mean, I I, I can see their relationship just like never it, if she didn't die, I could see their relationship never recovering from this. Mm-hmm. But mm. I don't think that that necessarily means that he makes the bad husband's list. Um, because like he's processing in his own way, but I can't, I think that he is processing it. I just think that he's not as like, you know, hardcore steadfast in like, I need an answer and I, I truly cannot move on unless I know, um, like he might not be doing that, but I don't think that that means that he is a duty head. Sure. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that. I don't think that he should be put in the group. Like, like you said, Brian, just on the ballot, not voted in. <laughs> cool. For sure. Uh, that's all that I had for brains. Brian, did you have anything to add? Um, 
I, I mean, we don't have to talk about our. We could talk about it a little bit, but a um, child psychologist is basically assigned to them to ask them questions to figure out what the mindset of Simone was, um, maybe to help them figure out like what happened to him. Um, if there's anything to talk about there, I'd love to hear like what role that person probably played and kind of why they hung around for so long. Mm. Like why the the psychologist hung around for so long? Yeah, I mean, wasn't she there like before the six months and after the six months? Um, yeah, because she was in the hospital bed after uh, when uh, Laura um, broke her leg, broke her, or whatever. broke her leg, and then with the medium. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess you don't know like Spanish law enforcement in general <laughs> and how that works. But yeah. like I, I just found that interesting, and but what I actually found interesting is that that person was like assigned to their case to help mm-hmm. a child psychologist was yeah. assigned mm-hmm. to their case to almost help with the detective aspect of things, not mm-hmm. necessarily with well, like she was. I mean, she worked for the police. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a thing having like a child psychologist to help kind of figure out if some if like a child is missing. I don't totally understand what her role was here, but like, yeah. I mean, there's definitely cases where like men, I mean, my experiences with mental health professionals has always been in the, uh, like the, um, what am I trying to say? Like the district attorney, uh, yeah. side of things, but like there are mental health professionals who are also working on the like police side of things. So I think that like, there could, you know, we're everywhere, baby. We're, we're infiltrating. Yeah, it feels um, like a procedural, like this child yeah. psychologist is mm-hmm. teamed up with this rookie officer and together <laughs> they're going to figure out what happened to all the missing kids this yeah. Sunday on CBS. I What I do think is weird is like how much information and and maybe, I, I don't know, because I don't know what it's like in real life where like sometimes the you hear that like the police are not very forthcoming with, with details and information. Mm -hmm. Other times like they are because they are building this relationship with like the families who are going through these experiences. I think it's interesting that she says to them that, that I guess the leading theory is Beninga abducted Simon and -hmm. like that she's like telling them that, um, I don't really know, like, like, I don't know if I, if I think that's helpful or not. Mm, yeah. Sure. Also, speaking on Benigna for a segment, for a snagness. Fantastic. Talking about her for a moment. So we're to assume she came to the house to clear the bodies out so, like, they wouldn't be tracked back to her. And she went into the house. Like, I'm not 100% sure why she went into the house to, like, talk to her. Um, just to get access to the grounds or something like that. And then the next thing that I, um, and then, so, and now she, I guess she's just like taking care of this Tomas doll, like Mm -hmm. instead of him, you know, like I, I, the movie doesn't explain it that well. And I don't think it needs to per se, because it's more of like what it's eerie, but the Mm hurt saying that she was a social worker and going in felt, you know, when she, was she trying to get more information on her? Was she trying to like, blackmail her 
or she was saying she was just trying to. Mm-hmm. I guess she was trying to figure out more information about what types of people would be moving into the house, um, because yeah. maybe she knew her son was haunting it. I don't know. No, uh, my guess was like because she was planning on reopening the orphanage as like that facility that she wanted to get rid of the evidence that she had left behind. Yeah. And was she threatening her? Like, was she like passively threatening her when she's sitting down with her with the conversation and she hands over like uh, Simone's files? That I don't know. I don't know like how she had access to that. Right. That was weird. that's why I like the idea that, like, she was a social worker and she was able to, like, falsify lots of documents to cover up mm. everything that happened there. But that doesn't mm. explain what, what the head nurse would – like, the head nurse just, like, disappears and doesn't say anything. Or does the head right. nurse just, like, move on and, like, doesn't, like, do anything because she doesn't want this to affect, like, her career? I don't know. Anyway. You got to write a prequel, Brian. I know. Yeah. Fill in all these, these holes. I know. I know. Anyway. Produce it. Some other thoughts. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, should we rotten to Martin this? Rotten to Martin. Yeah, let's rotten, rotten to Martin this. Martin. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. Um, all right. Um, rotten to Is we, that what you said? To Thomas? Rotten to Ma- Thomas. Rotten to Moss. But he wasn't rotten. He was a beautiful boy. No, he was. Um, Poor boy. <clears throat> All right, what do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm going to guess 74. Mm, 91. This has an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. Nice. Uh, Deeply unnerving and surprisingly poignant, the orphanage is an atmospheric, beautifully crafted, haunted house film that earns scares with a minimum of blood. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a great. That's a great description of it. I did. Yeah, it. I think so too. Um, should we do the four S's? Yes. yes. Skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns. Four S's. <laughs> All right. The four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Uh, we're gonna rank them one through ten. Uh, skulls. How well this handles human health and mental. No. Human. Uh, human health. Human health. Um, <laughs> Human behavior and mental health. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scares is how scary was it, and shakes is how much is it going to stay with you. So, Jamie, let's start with you. Sure. For skulls, I gave this a six. Um, I think that for the most part, there's a lot of people peopling. I think that... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I guess, yeah, uh, I I feel like there's maybe, like, some things here and there that's like, oh, why are you doing that? Um, Why are you doing that? But (laughs) I I think for the most part, like, just the the grief and, like, all of that is driving characters in, like, a pretty, you know, human way. Um, For scares, I gave this a four. Um, I don't think that there's like a ton of jump scares, but I think that just like the, the few ones that there are, are like so disturbing to look at. Um, and that really freaks me out and, and has Mm -hmm. saved me. 
Um, and for shakes, I'm giving this a seven. Um, this movie is really, really good. Um, and while I might have forgotten like some of the things, they all came back really fast. And I think that this is like a really just solid horror movie that does not need an English language remake. Just watch no. it. Just watch it as is. It mm-hmm. is great as is. And and I think like, yeah, it doesn't we don't need to keep doing this, please. It is a it stands perfectly, wonderfully as it is. Agreed. Nikisha? Skulls, I gave this a seven. Um for the people that are peopling, um, it's just a lot to deal with, so um, I thought they did a good job of trying to portray all the different emotions uh, that comes with the situations. Scares, I gave it a two. Um, I didn't find it scary. Um, and Shakes, I gave it a five, only just because, like I said before, this is not like my particular subgenre, but that doesn't mean that I, I didn't enjoy it and that this wasn't a really good movie. So, but five for Shakes. Cool. Uh, my skulls is a seven, same reasons as you. My scares is a four, like Jamie, same reasons as you. And I, I just love this movie. I'm giving this a ten. This is like it's so hey. I love this movie. Nice. Um, and uh, my suggestion is maybe cheating, but uh, it has Pan's Labyrinth vibes in terms mm. of um, okay. kid going through things in some ways, gothic. But uh, and, and it's also cheating because like we're gonna be doing it so. But, um, yeah, I would say pair this with Pan's Labyrinth or something like that. Okay, okay. All right, all right. Jamie? Um, I... You would said it earlier, and I was like, oh, yeah. This does have Sixth Sense vibes to me, just in terms of, like, mm-hmm. very sad spookery. Um, very sad. I also feel like it kind of has, speaking of films that, definitely didn't need an English language remake, but here we are. Um, (laughs) Let the right one in. I know it's like a totally Mm. different vibe in terms of like vampires versus ghosts, but I think there's something to be said about like, you know, children in horror movies and like the presence that they take up and they're just so good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Both of those movies that you suggested are in my top 10 horror movies of all time. Good. Nice. Same same subgenre of like deeply sad, emotionally filling, mm-hmm. like ghostly tales. Even though one is not ghosts, but still. Yes. Uh, I suggested because of missing kids, the black phone, mm. and um, if also missing kids, sure. but uh, definitely on a lighter note and animated Coraline. Oh, sure. Because there's like missing, missing little ghost kids and a nice scavenger hunt. If that's your vibe. Scavenger hunt vibes. Scavenger Mm. hashtag scavenger hunt vibes. Uh, Fantastic. Well, I think that wraps up our episode of the orphanage. That's the third time. The orphanage. Is that how you do it, Nikisha? Do you do it just like just that? Just like that. <laughs> exactly the same inflection, everything. Yeah. Just like that. I figured with uh, all that beautiful diction. <laughs> just mumbling through the whole thing. Yes. So you can follow us on all social medias, the Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at TalkHorrorPod, P-O-D. And Brian, where can they listen to us? Sure, you can listen to us or watch us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can find us on YouTube. Hi, YouTube. 
Um, you can also find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. How would we like to end? Are we going to gasp or going to? Yeah. On three. <laughs> One, two, three. <gasps> <laughs> we all got to be Eliza, if if only for a moment. <laughs> if only for a moment. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.